Hi, my name is Duncan and we are the Fantasy Football Fanatics. I'm joined by Matt in London and Andy in San Fran. Andy, what was your football highlight of game week 22? Uh, my football highlight, well, we've just come off the, uh, the Man U Tottenham game. And given the, the, the num- number one and number two favourites to replace Mourinho long term are Solskjaer and Pochettino, I was watching that game sort of managerial duel very closely between those two. And it was really interesting. I was kind of, everyone sort of sees Pochettino as this managerial tactical heavyweight and uh, Solskjaer as the guy who got Cardiff relegated. So everyone sort of expects Pochettino to win the tactical battle. But something I thought was really interesting in the first half was that um, rather than playing Rashford as centre forward and Lingard on the right as everyone expected, um, Solskjaer had switched those two round and kind of mirrored the Tottenham formation with a sort of narrow diamond in midfield with, uh, with Lingard at the, top, at the top of that with two wide-ish centre forwards in, uh, in Martial and Rashford. And what, it, what happened was that as the fullbacks from Tottenham pushed on, you had a lot of space for Rashford and Martial, which is, of course, where the goal came from. And so I saw that as like a really surprising win for the current Man U manager, who obviously, as a Man U fan, I, I adore as a human. Um, and so my highlight of the week is a surprising tactical victory for Solskjaer of Pochettino. Yeah, it's going really well for him, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I think, I think everyone's kind of underestimating him at the moment, especially based on what happened today. People are sort of saying, oh, yeah, well, following Mourinho is the easiest job in the world. And all he's done is he's put his, up, put his arm around the players and asked Alex Ferguson for help. And that's basically it. But I think that's re- really doing him a disservice. I think he's a very astute tactical manager. I think that he's not seen as like, like a heavyweight like Pochettino is. Um, but that's really because his jobs have been Cardiff and Mulder. I think he had an impossible job at Cardiff. So... Um, really, this is where we'll find out whether he's what, what he's really made of, and he's he's takes every box that he's been asked to so far. Yeah, there were a lot of chances though for Tottenham, Harry Kane, and just a lot of saves for for Big Dave. That's true, but I think that Tottenham are really good, and whoever they were playing against, if they're one nil down at home, you'd expect them to come out of the traps like that. We know Man U's defense isn't that good. I mean, we were playing Phil Jones as a first-choice centre-back and Ashley Young still is our first-choice right-back. Like, that, he hasn't got much to work with there. So the fact that we did keep them at bay, and although they did have a lot of chances, man, you had a lot of chances too. I was just checking the, um, the, the bonus points system for that game before this pod, and I saw that the top bonus points system scorer on Tottenham's side was uh, Hugo Lloris. So that's not an indicator that it was kind of... Uh, completely one-sided obviously Tottenham were much better than we were in the second half I think that's normal and um, we did win the game so box ticked nice one um, Matt I'm guessing your highlight is from the same game as a Man U fan yeah I and mean, I guess uh, the one one thing I'd, I'd add to Andy's point is I reckon it's not necessarily just Solskjaer to be in the tactical tactical genius bringing Mike Phelan back I think had quite an impact and it's always difficult to know who the real tactician is there but Solskjaer's definitely improved the mentality of the whole squad. They just seem... Uh, there was a good article by Jonathan Wilson um, last week just talking about how uh, mentality and sort of uh, motivation used to be like all managers did, but it went out of fashion because it sort of became about tactics and it's sort of coming back into fashion now. Um, and that's what Solskjaer's best, best asset has been, I think, in the last few weeks towards winning. Uh, but yeah, my highlight, yeah. basically just watching the highlights reel of De Gea uh, taking on the Tottenham attack 
as they just kept shooting and shooting and shooting and he just kicked the ball away of his feet every time. Yeah, he's not so great with his feet for passing, but for saving, he's incredible. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, that, that sort of little technique he has when it's one-on-one and he puts his sort of like a, a, a long block like you do in cricket uh, is, is so effective. Um, he sort of revolutionised goalkeeping in that sort of save style. Nice one. I like it. Yeah, I watched the game. I watched uh, quite a lot of it. Missed right the the first half an hour or so, but after that, I saw it and really enjoyed it. It was nice to see Man U back. It's strange to say that, but it did feel like they were back to being a big team. And you proved now in the table you're equal with Arsenal, so you are now a big team again. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, we're um, sort of a mid to sides mid sized team now. I'd say in the <laughs> level of Arsenal. <laughs> Um, my my highlight I was going to do a little mini roundup of the little things I noticed over the weekend that I enjoyed so I'll kind of I'll fly through them quickly there's three of them uh, the first one with, was uh, it was a weird one Jet, um, Klopp's interview on Match of the Day who's been interviewed by Jonathan Pierce, and I've been listening to Jonathan Pierce since I was I don't know, 12, something like that, commentate on the football. Um, and Robot Wars, he also commentated on and all that kind of stuff. And I haven't seen his face until then. His voice hasn't aged, but his face hasn't has, and I hadn't seen it since I was about 12. And he popped his face into Klopp's interview after Klopp walked off. And it was, it was, it was harrowing. Um, time has not been kind. It's not been kind to him. Um, it was like going from my twelve-year-old self, where I knew what he looked like, to suddenly seeing him now. But having spent that entire time listening to his voice, it was very strange. Um, so that was a weird one. And then Benitez's goal celebration when Newcastle got there against <laughs> Chelsea just looked really annoyed. They highlighted it on Match of the Day, like he was showing his assistant. Um, after they scored he looked really annoyed when they scored it he walked over to his assistant who was banging on a piece of paper and pointing to him probably saying they've done something different to what I told them to do and looking really annoyed so I enjoyed that that was very Benitez and then um, <laughs> the final one was just an incredible goal I think we have to mention it in the highlights Schurler's goal uh, for Fulham against Burnley surely that's going to be in there for goal of the season Um I thought that's the best goal I've seen so far this season. Um, it was so good. Um, he likes to shoot a lot, but yeah, that was that was a beautiful goal. Um, it had, kind of had shades of De Canio or um, some kind of Van Persie-esque long ball over the top, taking it down and, and a, a shot really quickly. Um, so yeah, those were my, my highlights of the week. Um, our game weeks. Should we roll on to that? I think I'm I'm first up. Um, it's going it's going really well for me this week. I'm looking at the site livefpl.net um, forward slash rank. You can actually track your live rank on that. I think we've mentioned it before. It's a really good site, um, so you can find out how you're doing during the game week. Obviously, we still have um, Man City to play tomorrow. Um, we're recording on Sunday night, so. Um, my live rank at the moment is basically 5,000, um, which is which is brilliant. Um, I captain Salah. Um, my transfer was to bring in Alexander-Arnold for Kalasinac, which was a brilliant point swing as Arsenal um, messed up, as Ben kind of predicted with his gut. Nasri. Fabianski got nine points for me because he loves to play well against Arsenal. Um 
you know, to prove us wrong for selling him. Um, yeah, Dinia um, with a massive haul. Um, Rashford and Pogba combining was really enjoyable. And Juan Basaka, even losing two goals, still came out with uh, three bonus, which is pretty immense. Um, so, yeah, really good game week and still got Sane to play. Um, yeah, it's going really well. Um, and next week, um, I've set my bus team and it looks really good. So I'm, I was considering holding a transfer and getting two for the following week with kind of, you know, um, January transfer window. It's quite a nice time to have two in the bank in case something comes in um, towards the end of the window. But it looked like Harry Kane picked up um, a pretty serious knock right at the death of the Man United game. Um, so I think that's definitely something to watch. He did not look like he was walking off the pitch very quickly at all. Um, he was kind of being escorted by a physio. So he looked in quite a lot of pain. So I think that'll be one to check. But yeah, um, yeah, going really well. Um, Matt, how about you? I could probably keep this brief because I had a very similar team to you, but just not quite as good a game week. Because um, I had Robertson, Salah captain, Rashford and Pogba have that glorious goal where not only is it your team scoring, but it's both your players assisting and scoring at the same time. Um, the perfect little moment. Uh, and Dinia doing doing the business this week. Um, I guess the big difference, I guess, is I had Rico and goal and you had Fabianski. Um, so that was that was a big point swing um, against me trying to trying to catch you up. Um, but but all in all, I really can't complain. My team, I think, looks quite good at the moment. And so I've got two transfers in the bank. So uh, I'm just sort of a uh, sort of just making little 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 tactical switches here and there that I think might slightly marginally improve the team rather than sort of trying to rip it up or having a serious injury to deal with. So all in all, it's going, it's going well at the moment. And so um, I'm enjoying a, a good run of form. If that Kane injury does turn out to be a serious one, it's annoying for you because our teams are so similar. You're quite close behind me in our mini league. Aubameyang you've gone for I've got Kane but if Kane's injured Aubameyang is the natural replacement isn't he so I'm just going to make my team more and more like you <laughs> well I always you always had that tactic of just man marking me as soon as you get into the lead uh, and just copying every transfer I do so uh, that would be completely unexpected if you swapped to him um, it never works though it never works blocking um, players in the mini league by getting their their teams in their players in I never think that works yeah you always uh, end up chasing the points that have just happened don't you yeah exactly um, Andy how was your game week well it's kind of alright but not as good as yours <laughs> overall a captain Sally got me 22 points I've got Pogba and Rashford Alexander Arnold um, and that's all of my points which and Wan Bissaka which you guys all have as well um I had Dubravka in goal, who um, I was really, really hoping for a, a nil-nil draw in that game, so I could, I could live it up in, on this pod after my prediction last week. But it, I thought you guys were quite close to an upset there, but they obviously didn't do it, so I lost. Um, yeah, Sigerson and Richarlison, I need to get rid of. Uh, my transfer this week was uh, a complete farce. I, uh, I brought in Dan Lovren um, for Alonso, thinking, ha-ha, I'm so smart, he's definitely going to play. And then he got injured in the FA Cup. And so then I had to get rid of him again, thereby forfeiting the transfer that I'd saved up. I brought in Tarkovsky, which made sense, I thought. And he could have kept a clean sheet against Fulham. But obviously, that's why Scherler's goal wasn't my highlight of the week. Um, so, yeah, 
four points right now with a, a bonus to come in for Rashford. Um, so 55 points that it's like I'm going to end on, which is pretty okay, but not good enough these days. Um, I'm pretty worried about my team right now. Um, I would definitely encourage you to bring in Aubameyang Duncan because he, I, I'm trying to get rid of him. Um, I think he's a problem. I think Sigurdsson and Richarlison are both a problem. I think that Kolasinac is a problem. I'm, there are a lot of players that I want um, who I currently can't, haven't got enough transfers to bring in, so I'm seriously considering my wildcard this week. Wow, an early wildcard. That's a huge shout. Yeah, it is. I think, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not that impressed with all the transfer rumours going on, and normally that's the, that's the point where I would seriously consider wildcard, wildcarding is when there's somebody comes in, like when Suarez came in, uh, for Liverpool in January, that's the kind of thing that would really prompt me to do it. But I don't know, not not that impressed at the moment. So I, I, there, there are so many players that I want in right now. I can sort of steal a march on everybody by, if I'm right about this, getting those players in now, and uh, and that could be the, the the thing that catches me up with you guys. I I'd, I'd, I'd urge caution. I think taking an early wild card at the end of the transfer window, at the end of January, would be enough of a differential to everyone else holding it till the double game weeks I think I think I would say hold out if you're going to play it early and I have done before in January and it's worked out for me um, I would wait until all those transfers have come in because you're still going to have such a, a differential using it early that I think it's worth waiting you might be right I think I'd, if I didn't if I wasn't worried about so many of my players then I agree with you but I am worried about so many of my players in one of the transfers that I was thinking of is Aubameyang to Kane, which obviously I'm not going to do now. So maybe that's a um, a reason to to hold out. But I don't know. You can hear in the tone of my voice, I'm not very happy with my team at the moment. My view on early wild cards is you could look at it like almost like a, taking a 10 to 15 point hit, because that's usually the benefit you get from having it just before a double game week when you can get in loads and loads of players who've got two games. Um, so it's just, do you do you think the transfer you get in will will make up that deficit come later on in the season? That's well, given that you, it is. But remember, there's also the um, the free hit that you can do. There's always one big double game week, right? And you can always free hit that week to get in all the right players. So that kind of changes how changes the value. I think. I think there's normally two double game weeks to win the season, and there's even talk there might be three. Um, at the end of this season. I mean, that kind of takes us on quite nicely to um, our next section, which is super advanced warning and, and thinking ahead towards the blanks and double game weeks. Um, so I've done a little bit of looking into this. I basically um, went and had a look at Ben Krellin's um, Twitter account and his um, all the things that he looks at. Ben Krellin looks at um, double game weeks towards the end of the season. That's kind of his... Um, his specialism in FPL and he does it really well. I recommend going and have a looking at um, his pinned tweets and, and some of the saved um, tweets that he's put up there. And basically um, it, coming up, I mean, we're, we're going, we're going into game week 23. So people are just starting to talk about this, but I like to think about these things quite early because I think once I find people are talking about it. I, I realize that I have a couple of players in my team that are going to blank and I only have a certain amount of transfers left. So I think it it's good to bear in mind, even if you're considering bringing in players, if you know they might have a blank or there's a high chance they might have a, a blank in four game weeks, it might make you think again. And it definitely played into my transfers this week. 
Um, so I thought it might be useful. So game week 27 is the League Cup final. Um, so there will be a blank game week for Man City and Everton. Um, and that's because Man City have basically finished that semi-final first leg with a 9-0 win. Um, so that's pretty much over. So Man City Everton is going to be a blank 99.99999%. So we can we say that pretty safely. The one that we're not sure about is whether Chelsea or Spurs are going to go through into that final. It's 1-0 to Spurs at the moment, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Um, so at the moment, it's looking more likely that Burnley versus Spurs would be a blank. So Burnley players, Spurs players... Um, more chance of a blank, but then it could be Chelsea Brighton. So when I was thinking this week about, oh, do I bring in um, Barnes for Ings because Ings is on my bench and he's injured? I was like, more well, maybe not because Burnley have a couple of tough, tough, tough fixtures and they also might have. There's a good chance they might have a blank. So um, that kind of played into my thinking. So Man City players, um, they're something to bear in mind. Andy with your Everton players. You know, you've got two of them. I've got two of them. It's definitely something to bear in mind. Game week 27 isn't a huge amount of time away, but it definitely bears thinking about. If you're thinking of bringing Dean, for for instance, you know, after his big haul this week, um, if you've already got a few Everton players in your team, that might be a bit of a risk. So that's one to bear in mind. The next one um, is a little bit more tricky. So game week... 31 and game week 33 Ben Krellin is predicting another potential blanks around those I should say at the moment from this point on it's it's kind of possibly a bit of guesswork and there's some kind of um, percentage chance of things happen rather than things will definitely happen so game week 31 is the quarterfinals of the FA Cup weekend um, so what we know for certain at the moment is that Liverpool and Fulham will definitely be playing their fixture because uh, they're both out of the FA Cup. So Liverpool players are great to have in. Um, Fulham players, less so, obviously, um, because they're Fulham. Um, and then apart from that, the other teams that we can say a bit more certainty about are Leicester and Burnley. Um, according to Ben Cronin, that has a 5.3% chance of being a blank. So it's quite likely that will, that game will go ahead. Um, based on the other ties and um, so Leicester players um, conversely what I was saying about Barnes Burnley players might be something worth looking at after um, we know whether they are going to be playing against Spurs or whether Spurs are going to be in the League Cup final in game week 27 this might get a bit complicated guys so if if I lose you please shout and I will try and explain myself a bit more. So Leicester Burnley um, looking good for game week 31 to navigate that blank. Um, Bournemouth Newcastle is the next one. Um, the next kind of least likely of a blank. So Bournemouth. So I've kind of rated those teams. Um, uh, I've rated those teams. I've added them to game week 33 as well. So that's game week 31 Liverpool, uh, Leicester Burnley and Bournemouth. Liverpool and Fulham, the only definites out of that. Game week 33 is the semi-finals of the FA Cup. So there'll be a potential another blank game week for a few teams who are still in the FA Cup then and whichever team they're playing. Um, so for that one, we know that Huddersfield and Leicester will be going ahead because they're both out of the FA Cup. 
So Leicester players, again, game week 31, a low chance of a blank, and game week 33, no chance of a blank. So Leicester are pretty good, and they have great fixtures um, coming up as well after game week seven, interestingly enough. So that's, that's kind of perfectly timed. Bournemouth, again, a very low chance of a blank, 2.2. Bournemouth, Burn, uh, Burnley, Bournemouth, sorry. Um, so Burnley again. And then next least likely is probably Southampton, Liverpool, with a 10% chance of a blank. Um, so Liverpool being mentioned again. So kind of ranked in terms of those two potential blank game weeks, 31 and 33, I've kind of ranked the teams that will be able to navigate those blanks quite, you know, with a good chance as Leicester top, because they have definitely have a game in um, game week 33 and a very low chance of a blank in game week 31. So Leicester first, then Liverpool for similar reasons to Leicester, except their chance of a blank in game week 33 is slightly higher at 10%. So Leicester, Liverpool, then Burnley. I mentioned them in both 31 and 33. And then Bournemouth keeping an eye on um, how they do and the teams they're going to play on play against do in the FA Cup. So, yeah, I mean, out of those FPL-wise, really, Leicester, Liverpool um, seem to be the best kind of options FPL-wise. I was thinking, looking at what happened this game week, Pereira um, for Leicester got another assist. There's a lot of talk about him in FPL at the moment. Um, great fixtures around after game week 20 or 27 onward for Leicester. Um, he's a great shout. Liverpool, likewise, good fixtures. Um but, you know, we were talking about doubling up on the defence. That might be a really good plan, um, tripling up on Liverpool um, in general. And then in terms of double game weeks, first of all, guys, does that make sense, what I was talking about, the blanks? It does roughly. I mean, it, what I'd be interested in is how big a blank do we think 27 and 31 are going to be? Um, how, how many teams do you think will be out there? Is it kind of having to play a free hit territory or is it um, you can sort of get an 11 out because there would be only two, three games off. Well, um, that kind of nicely leads me onto um, a tweet I noticed, um, which I'll come onto later from FPL Toast about how you can how a potential strategy for navigating the blanks um, and the double game weeks that the blanks will create later on. Um, so, game week twenty-seven, we know that there will be um, four. Um, teams not playing, so two fixtures not playing. We know that that will be Man City and Everton. That's pretty much guaranteed. Um, so they will definitely blank. And then it'll be two other teams, depending on the result of Chelsea Spurs in the semi-final second leg. Um, for game week 31 and 33, it kind of depends um, how many Premier League teams are left in the competition. Um I don't know exactly, but um, yeah, I think that's something that people will start discussing on other podcasts more and more. It's something we can look at as well as it as it kind of moves forward from here. But these are just kind of my first thoughts on it and the first kind of bit of research I've done into it. And then it also it also depends on which teams make it because if the teams that make it have fixtures against each other, then that's one less fixture that's eliminated, right? But if all of the teams that are eliminated from the round are different fixtures, then you've got twice as many fixtures coming out. So it's really hard to predict at this, this stage. I'd really encourage um, people to go and have a look at Bellin, <laughs> Bellin, Ben Krellin's spreadsheet. Um, he's pinned it to his sidebar on Twitter. 
um, and you can click on the spreadsheet and you can scroll through it. And he's given, um, he's kind of mapped it all out in a schedule of when all this is happening. He also has, um, if you have a look through his account, he also has a page which shows you the percentage chances of fixtures being blanks in 31 and 33. So for Matt, your question, you know, how big are those blank game weeks going to be? You'd have to go and have a look at those those percentage chances. Um, some of them have a very high chance of being a blank and otherwise, uh, you know, others less so. Um, but in terms of double game weeks, Ben Krellin is pretty good at predicting them and he's predicting based on these um, these blanks that double game weeks seem likely in game week 32, uh, which is a bit of a tricky one, obviously, because you've got game week 31 potential blank, uh, then game week 32 double game week, then game week, du- then game week 33, uh, another potential blank. Um, so a bit of a headache to navigate. And then he's saying the next double game week he expects or predicts um, will be game week 35. So quite close to that one as well. So in terms of strategy, um, FPL Toast on Twitter um, is saying as a potential strategy, um, start making your transfers for um, the blank in game weeks, um, well, the blanks coming up in game week 24. Um, I mean, I like to start thinking about this slightly earlier, hence talking about it now, but he's saying start in 24, then you've got blanks in 27, Game week 28, you start making um, transfers in mind of the game week 31 blank. Um, So you've got a few game weeks there before 31. And then you've got blanks in 31. You've obviously made some transfers in preparation for that. In game week 32, you play your free hit just for one game week. Then you have next set of blank game weeks. But those transfers that you started making, you know, much earlier, um, in game week 24 and from game week 28, you use those for both the gl- blank game weeks 31 and 33, free hit in 32, and then in 34, you wildcard, making your team ready for the double game week in game week 35. And in game week 35, you play your bench boost. Um, and then there's also the potential of... Um, a very small double game week, um, a third double game week, he's saying, um, where you could potentially play your triple captain, for instance. Um, So the chance of um, having three blanks coming up um, for Man City is, according to Ben Cron, 52% chance, basically. Um, So if a team like Man City had three blanks coming up, um, then they would be potentially a really good candidacy for a triple captain in a mini double game week involving them. Um, yeah. What do you think, guys? Nice. Um, feels like Liverpool's the one to stick to for the moment then out of the big teams because you know they'll be playing right the way up until the point they don't have double game weeks. And then you maybe trade across to some of your Man City and um, other big teams that make the finals of the FA Cup later. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a big bonus for Liverpool, and with Salah's price going up as well. Um, if people are wondering whether they should jump to it, maybe it's another reason to say, yeah, 
um, go for it or, or go for Mane and Firmino. I think people are starting to talk about Firmino now. He's found a little bit of form and, yeah, another potential option. And Leicester as well are really interesting. It's got great fixtures around that period and cheap options. Madison might come back into contention with Richarlison, maybe not hitting the great form he was and, and Felipe Anderson, maybe not hitting the great form he had before as well. So, yeah, a couple of options there and Pereira I mentioned as well. The Vardy party. Yeah, Vardy's party. If he gets Vardy like it's, um, it's they won the league. <laughs> I think another thing that people tend to overlook with um, with double game weeks and and blanks is that when you've got a uh, a double game week and therefore you get points that somebody else might not. It's the extra it, the, the the first game aren't isn't like extra points, right? That's that's regular points. So you've got one extra game out of that week, not two. Now, if you look at the blank week, it's exactly the same as if you've got players in your team, if you've got 11 players and somebody else has got 10, you've got one extra game out of that week, not, not like... Is it, the, the double game week isn't worth double the blank. It's worth the same as each other. And so you can actually make up significant points. I know this because I've lost out badly before this way, so that's, I learned my lesson is that the, the, the blank game week, if you haven't got 11 players out and somebody else has got like a triple captain on a really easy game for somebody that you don't have, you can, you can lose just as much points or gain just as much. And that's in that blank week as you can in the double game week. I just think, I think that's definitely true to a certain extent, but I think people, more people will be playing their chips in the double game weeks than in the blank game weeks. Well, exactly. So that makes, it, that makes the, the blank game week potentially a big differentiator because mathematically it's not worth more or less. So if everybody's focusing on a double game week and you can steal a march on a single game week by playing a triple captain on somebody who's got an easy game and nobody else has. Like, for example, if you've got... Um, let's see. Let's imagine Everton get back into form and you've got Sigurdsson or, um, or Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin or Dino or somebody... Um, playing against Huddersfield at home then you could do something you get a load of points there that nobody else is even thinking about which I know it's a it would be a big risk but for those like me who are behind in the game um, it's something to worth thinking about is whether you want to do something a bit different yeah I think it's always good to look for other other strategies when you're trying to catch up points so I think that's a good shout Um, targeting those rather than fully targeting double game week is a really good shout and should we have a look at the upcoming fixtures? Let's do it. Okay, first up, um, it is one for me. Oh, no, it's not. Um, hold on a second. First one, it is one for me. Sorry about that. It's Wolves-Leicester. Um, so, a bit tricky because Wolves are playing tomorrow night, so we don't get to... Um, see that before we preview. Um, Leicester uh, lost to Southampton uh, 2-1 this game week. Um, they're just incredibly unpredictable still, um, Leicester, in terms of picking players fantasy-wise. I think I mentioned a few of them when I was talking about the blanks and double game weeks and how they might be um, really good assets coming up later. I don't think they're uh, players worth looking at at the moment. I think they had a, a great fixture on paper against Southampton um, without Danny Ings and without 
Gabbiadini after selling him and they only had Shane Long who hadn't scored in 32 games or something like that and he got a goal and assist. So they're incredibly unpredictable and that was their good fixture. Now they go into a run of Wolves away, Liverpool away, Man United and Spurs. Um, you know, four really tough games, but they come out of that um, and I think they're worth thinking about fantasy-wise after that in game week 27. So I'd be avoiding any players for... The, their players for this fixture I might even be transferring them out unless they're really cheap and can survive on a bench for four weeks um, I think this is a good fixture for Wolves um, I think they're they're really good against the big teams whether Leicester are a big team anymore um, that's a bit of a debate but um, yeah I think this would be one to play Doherty uh, Jimenez all those Wolves guys who've been back in form Um yeah, I see this as a, a result for Wolves. I think it's quite nice to have Bennett um, 4.1 or 4.0 on my bench as a first sub um, for this one. And yeah, I think that's that's how I'd see it. Um, I think defensively, Leicester have looked quite good this season. I think they're up there with clean sheets. Even though they're quite unpredictable, they do pick up the old clean sheet. Wolves obviously um, haven't been that great at the back recently, but they do have a good defence, I think. So this one could be quite tight in terms of the defence, but I think it's a game that I'd imagine Wolves to grind out. Um, so I'd say probably quite low scoring, but um, Wolves to come out on top. Um, if you, either of you guys want to say any different, shout up. Otherwise, um, who's next up? That That's me for Bournemouth, West Ham, I think. Um so I think where, where Wolves and Leicester might be a bit cagey and you're not really sure which way it'll go. And so you, you're just a touch nervous about your fantasy assets and what they'll do because it's a bit of an unknown. I think Bournemouth and West Ham, if you've got attacking assets there for either side, you think there's got to be goals in this one because both defences are pretty bad um, on the whole. He says that, but West Ham just got a clean sheet against Arsenal. But I think Fabianski had quite a few saves to make. Um, so... It's, I don't know, I, I'm thinking, I reckon Bournemouth will win because they're the home team, but it's, uh, it's, I reckon it's going to be goals in that game and therefore chances if you've got someone like Fraser or Wilson for Bournemouth, but also chances if you've got um, any West Ham assets, including potentially Samir Nasri, who seems to be the new one on the horizon with a, a nice assist on, I think, is it a fantasy debut? I think, did he play in the FA Cup? Is this, was that his debut in the Premier League again for West Ham? It's definitely, it's definitely his first start in um, yeah. Premier League. So he, he's come in and he looked, I thought he, I watched a bit of the game and he looked just sharp and quite quite decent, um, doing some of the sort of Man City little touches and he's just quite quick and quite precise with his passing. Um, so I could see him being a potential asset if he does something again against Bournemouth, which he could well do. Um, quite a few fancy managers sort of uh, jumping on board. And you were mentioning um, Fraser and Wilson. I noticed that Wilson wasn't in the matchday squad this week and there's been talk of an injury, but I just think that that's a bit of a smokescreen potentially for uh, the transfers that's being discussed um, to Chelsea or elsewhere. Um, so I, I think I think it's a tricky one if you own Wilson at the moment. Um, whether you keep him and hope he goes to Chelsea and then you've got him already and a cheap price, a Chelsea starting striker, or or whether you you want to get rid of him because he's not playing, you don't know how long it's going to go on, or whether he really is injured. Um, what do you reckon, Matt? 
Yeah, you're right. I had a similar thing with Mares last season um, when he was doing really well for me for Leicester. And then uh, he wants to go to Man City and went on strike because he couldn't get his transfer he wanted. So it suddenly really disrupted him for a few weeks. Uh, well, he didn't even play, I think, for a couple of weeks. Um, I don't think Wilson's that sort of player to go fully on strike. But um, I think it's one of those where for, for a couple of game weeks, uh, you might, might have some, a dip in form if he's sulking a bit. Uh, if he doesn't get the move, if he does get the move, obviously he's a pretty good bargain, bargain basement premium striker for one of the top clubs. Um, and then if he doesn't get the move, then I think he might have a slump for a couple of game weeks. But then I, things might then start settling down again for Bournemouth um, and he might, might go on a good scoring form again. He seems like a bit of an odd transfer to me because he's not like a, a sort of elite striker, is he, Tell him with us. I mean, he's obviously Bournemouth's best player. But that's the level that I would expect Chelsea to be shopping at. So it seems like a bit of an odd one to me. Giroud seems to have done a pretty good job for them this season. So whenever they've played him, Hazard's come alight and done really well. They haven't struggled to score goals with him in the team, although he hasn't scored the goals himself. It just seems a bit of an odd and unsatisfactory transfer to me, which makes me think that if he does go, which isn't for sure, he might end up on the bench anyway. I completely agree. I think it's quite strange that Chelsea are looking at him. I think um, he doesn't stand miles above the rest of the Bournemouth squad. Um, yeah, I think it is a strange one, and that's not a bad shout, Andy. Maybe even if he does go to Chelsea, um, is he going to hit the ground completely running? Um, yeah, not a bad shout. Um, Andy, what do you reckon to Liverpool Palace? I think this is a pretty easy one to call, isn't it? Liverpool, top of the league. Um, at home against Crystal Palace. They've obviously um, they've got a particular desire to beat Crystal Palace in a game when they're top of the league because of what happened last time they faced Crystal Palace when they were top of the league. So I would expect a win here and I don't expect them to go easy either. I expect them to, to um, score as many goals as they can. Palace are a good, good defensive side, so that doesn't mean getting turned over, but it might mean 2-0, it might mean 3-0. Um, I think Salah's a pretty good shout for captain. Um, so, uh, if you've got, I'm kind of trying to choose right now between Salah and Pogba as my captain. It's currently sitting on Pogba, but might switch to Salah. Um, if you've got Manic, if you've got Firmino, again, pretty good shout. I wouldn't be playing any Crystal Palace players in this game, so I can't see them scoring. I think um, Liverpool are too good defensively. Aren't that good going forward, despite Wolf Zaha's best efforts. So, yeah, I think this is a, uh, a win for Liverpool with no goals for Palace. I completely agree. I think just been having a look at uh, Crystal Palace's record against the big teams this season. Um, they lost at home 2-0 to Liverpool really early on in the season. Apart from that, they've conceded to all the big teams apart from Man United um, under Mourinho. Um, and that doesn't really say a huge amount. Did they, um, so they beat Man City away? They did, but they conceded. They conceded two goals. Right. So if you're thinking about Wan-Bissaka, then I think... It's, you know, sometimes you think, oh, maybe he'll get something, but I don't think so in this game. I think Andy's probably right, but if I was going to make a gut punt like Andy did last week on the, his Newcastle prediction, I think Palace have got a sort of a counter-attacking team that's sort of made to be difficult against the, the top sides that, that will dominate the ball. So um, they did it to Man City. They could always do it to, to, uh, uh, against Liverpool. But in terms of fancy assets, I don't think I'd be playing... Oh, no, no. I mean, if he had Andros Townsend, then I think you've got to 
very gut punty team um, in the first place. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, if he happens to smash in another 30, 35 yard thunderbolt, then uh, then then we kudos to you. Uh... <laughs> to, to all those Andros Townsend lovers out there, that's a shout from Matt. Um, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, pretty straightforward. You're right, Andy. Um, next up is Man United Brighton. That's one for me. I keep on getting the Man United games when I much prefer it to be you guys, but maybe it's better, slightly more objectivity than uh, the Man United. 8 0. <laughs> I watched the um, the Brighton Liverpool game, and I thought Brighton played really well. Um, I thought defensively they looked really difficult to break down for Liverpool, and Liverpool really struggled. Um, I would say this is a Man U team on a high, um, at home with confidence. Um, the only problem I think with United at the moment is if they, at any point they ever get overconfident there was a there was some talk on the commentary against Spurs that they were showboating slightly in the second half at one point um, and immediately it led to a counter-attack and I think if, if they go into this game thinking they're going to win or you know starting playing that way then they could come a cropper because Brighton looked really organised um, obviously this is Brighton away from home um, as we all know they're very different to when they're playing at home but um tricky to break down I'd say and Hewton said in his post-match interview after the Liverpool game he said I'm, I was so happy with their performance and if they gave me the same against Man United away I'll be delighted um, so we know exactly how they're going to approach this game um, it's going to be a bank of four and a bank of five and and see what you can do so uh, it's a tricky one I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of space in behind for Rashford um, at any point Um um, yeah, I, th- I think maybe that means it's a, a game for Pogba. Um, you know, shots from range, um, despite how rude I have been about his shots from range um, previously on this podcast. Um, but finding that pass um, and, you know, being a, a six foot four, something like that, getting headers and things like that, I think it's that kind of game. So, yeah, I'm, I don't think it's a potential captain shout. I think I and a lot of people got slightly lucky with Salah this week you know it was a very narrow game they got a penalty and he scored it but you know those margins are very small I wouldn't like to bank on my captain for that kind of fixture Um, so I think I'm going to be avoiding it captain wise um, but hoping Pogba can can do something for me would you Man U fans agree? One thing I, I picked out about this game is that Brighton have a really good recent record against Man United Against Mourinho's Man U, they uh, they beat us at the end of last season. I think they beat us earlier this season as well. Um, so they do seem to have had on um, had the measure at least of Mourinho's Man U. I don't know what that turns into for these for these players, whether they care about it or uh, or whether they think, yeah, we want to beat these Brighton guys because they kept beating us before. Um, so that that could be a factor here. Um, the one player that seems to always turn it on against us is Anthony Knockout. So. Um, Anybody who has him might want to play him. <laughs> Alongside Andros Townsend in there too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he seems to always turn on. So um, if you... you guys are going into the gut punt section a bit early. <laughs> Maybe. But for, I guess the point is for Gary, um, who obviously uh, transferred in Phil Jones a few weeks ago, uh, might not be a guaranteed clean sheet this one because he always seems to, to have a really good game against us. I think... I think... I think Gary's shout of bringing in Phil Jones a couple of games ago is possibly genius. I mean, obviously he wouldn't have played him 
um, against Tottenham away. That would be a bit crazy. But this is two clean sheets in a row, one against Tottenham away, and their next two fixtures are home against Brighton and Burnley. Um, yeah, maybe it is time for Man U. You know, David De Gea is back into full form. Two plum uh, home fixtures in terms of defence, I would say. I disagree with you slightly there, Andy. I think Brighton away are, are not a great uh, threat to their goal. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe you could get rid of Tarkovsky and, and bring in Lindelof or something like that. Or Kolasinac. I'm actually, I'm actually shopping for a Kolasinac replacement right now, and Luke Shaw was the one on, on my watch list rather than Phil Jones. But um, I think generally Man U's defence seems to be getting, getting its sort of house in order as we trust our attack to hold the ball a little bit more and maybe don't sort of bunch up as much. So generally, I think you're right. Phil Jones is a good transfer. I just, Brighton seems to always be really good against Man U, so I'm a bit worried about it. Fair enough. Um, who's next up? I think it's Matt with Newcastle Cardiff. Um, so this is the one that everyone's looking forward to next week. Uh, I think it's going to be a scrappy affair. I don't, I don't see it coming very high up on the match of the day highlight section. Um, and it'll be uh, probably probably low scoring because both sides are, would settle for a draw and, and are just keen to sort of defend for their for their lives a little bit. Um, Newcastle being the home team, I think probably slight favourites, uh, and that would point to someone like a Rondon type um, goal. Uh, but equally, I can see Cardiff call, causing them some problems. Um, I, I don't have a particularly high opinion of Newcastle. I know Andy has a higher opinion, so uh, I, I think maybe maybe a draw is probably the uh, the, the odds-on money there. Um, and if you have assets for either either side, then it's it's definitely possibilities for clean sheets. Um, I wouldn't expect it to be massively high scoring, but again, if you've got Camarasa, then he's always got a chance uh, against sort of a, another team that's in the bottom half of the table. I saw he came off early in the last game for Cardiff, though. Oh, um, did he? Mm. I'm not sure why, whether it was because he was still holding that knock from the previous game or, or what, but that was slightly worrying. Um, one thing I did, I did notice, um, I've heard a few times that Cardiff are quite susceptible from set pieces, which I find very strange, um, considering, you know, their height and how physical they are. But um, maybe that's that's one you mentioned, Rondon. Maybe that's one for other Newcastle defenders. I mean, it's definitely one to play your Newcastle defenders in if you have them, isn't it? Yeah, I think, it was, I well, think they're susceptible to set pieces because they concede so many, because Warnock just likes his teams to foul away. Um, and so therefore, eventually one goes in each game. Something I would be looking out for is um, Jamal Vassell spent the last 20 minutes of this week's game limping. Uh, he took a, he, he sort of um, cleared the ball out in, for a corner and then carried on running and uh, hit his knee on the advertising board, slit his knee open and his knee was sort of swollen. So I don't know whether that's going to um, be a proper injury for him or whether he's just going to run it off. But if he is injured next game, then obviously he makes a huge difference to the Newcastle defence. Yeah, I think that's definitely one to watch because he is an important player. Um, but they they do seem to have quite a lot of players that they can kind of change in now at, at centre back. Shaw and Fernandez, and they they seem to be you know fairly um, e- easy and able to step in for each other. 
Um, it's funny. I don't, I don't know where they all came from, these players, because everyone talks about how Newcastle can't buy any players because they haven't got any transfer. But then all these people just show up, <laughs> Most seemingly mostly centre-backs. Um, I'm not, not sure what's going on there. I think I think Rafa has a real eye for centre-backs, um, being the kind of manager he is. And you can pick up a lot of centre-back bar- bargains. They're not the strikers and they're not you know the rock stars of the game, so... Yeah, I think Shaw Shaw looks like a very solid player, and Fernandez from Swansea was a really good transfer. Um, yeah, and he's he's got quite a few in there, so maybe not not too much of a problem if they miss the cells. Um, who's up next? I think it's me, isn't it? With uh, with Southampton against Everton. Okay, what do you think? Everton look pretty dire at the moment. Um... There was an interesting comment by uh, by Robbie Earle, of all people, on the US coverage that um, Everton look like they're really struggling under the weight of expectation at Goodison Park at the moment, um, which is me- meaning they're likely to play better away than they do at home, um, which is an interesting theory that um, you might buy into. It's not one that I buy into. I think they're just bereft of confidence generally at the moment. Um, Southampton are the exact opposite. They're... Uh, they're, they're really doing well under Hassan Hudelhuden and Hassel. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think this is going to be a Southampton win. Um, I think this is one to abandon Everton assets for. My, I'm looking at getting rid of as many. I, I mentioned earlier that I, I'm not happy with Sigurdsson or Richarlison in my team at the moment. So I'm looking to get rid of them. I don't think they're going to do anything this, in this game. Um, for Southampton, it's a bit funny. They... Uh, they played Shane Long, and Shane Long scored a goal, which I think maybe that should have been one of the highlights of the week because that's almost unheard of. Um, so whether he carries that form into this game, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I think this is a, a Southampton win. Um, Luca Dean, although he's not um, keeping clean sheets, he seems to be involved in most of Everton's goals, which in itself is probably a pretty bad sign for Everton fans when your left back is, is involved in most of your goals. So he might still be worth having because he's such an attacking presence. But um, I wouldn't be banking on a clean sheet in this game for Everton defenders. I would be looking at Southampton to win maybe 2-1, 3-2, something like that. And you're considering moving one of Richarlison or Sigurdsson on, I'm guessing? I'd like to get rid of both of them, really. But sadly, I I messed up my transfers. Actually, I would already have got rid of Sigurdsson um, if I hadn't made my Lovren mistake. So, um, yeah, I... I will be getting rid of at least one of those two, uh, maybe even taking a hit. And thinking ahead, just rem- reminding everyone again, Man City and Everton, that fixture will be definitely off for game week 27. So they do have a blank coming up fairly soon. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not a bad time if, if you're concerned about this fixture um, to move out that Everton asset that's underperforming. Um what would you think of if you? I know a lot of people have Richarlison, and you mentioned you think he's a bit of a problem. Who would you look at for replacements? Um, I'd be looking at well, right now, obviously, you want Manu, Manu attacking midfielders, so Martial and Lingard are both seemingly first choice. They're, they're decent shouts. Um, a lot of people have Felipe Anderson, who's exactly the same price as Sigurdsson, a little bit more than Richarlison. Um, and obviously, they uh, their fixtures are looking pretty good, they just had a good result. So um, possibly him. Um, one thing, if you're if you're looking to hold on a little bit longer, um, 
Bournemouth are a funny team because they've got a, another bad run of fixtures coming up. But Ryan Fraser seems to be popping up in all the right places still. When they when they do lose to one, he seems to be involved in the one. Um, and later in the season, after game week 30, they have a, a, a bad run now, but a good run after game week 30. So I don't know if you want to um, take a punt on him and save some money. That might be worth doing. Um, so those are sort of the, maybe Shakiri as well, actually, looking at his, uh, his value. He's 7.1 and uh, has recently been, he's in and out of the team. But getting a Liverpool attack of a seven point one and taking the taking the risk of him not playing all the minutes, like he seems to always do something when he comes on, makes very efficient use of his minutes. So he could be worth looking at too. Yeah, and we we're talking about tripling up in Liverpool, so that's definitely a differential there. While still getting the Liverpool players in, um, so yeah, interesting shouts. Um, next up is Watford Burnley. Um, this is one for me. I see these these teams has fairly similarly matched in terms of how much they will battle for this game. I think Burnley have found their mojo again. Um, Tom Heaton's back in goal. Um, they've got, you know, centre-backs diving in um, on the goal line, making saves with their face and things like that. So I see Watford as a fairly similar team in terms of their ability to battle. They've got Dini, Kapu. Decore, um, they don't mind kind of mixing it up. I think Tom Cleverley even said that in his post-match interview. You know, he said we can play good football, um, but we also, you know, we can play tough when we need to. And I think that's similar to Burnley when they're on form, um, and I think they're getting back to form. Um, so I see this as one of those quite even games. Um, actually, might be quite a good watch um, for for the kind of handbags and stuff like that but maybe some some football and show as well in terms of fancy assets um i think i've been thinking about um tom heaton and whether he's a good replacement for fabianski um west ham's fixtures are slightly tricky coming up bournemouth away is a tough one for conceding goals and shots and things like that and then wolves and liverpool um so it's you know not as good as the fixtures that Fabianski has enjoyed for quite a long time now, um, and I was just thinking about whether Tom Heaton seems to be the chosen keeper now. They come back into form uh, as he's come back in the team. He's four point eight, and he used to be a goal point uh, uh, bonus point magnet. So maybe I could jump on him early and, and get a bit of a, a head start. But I don't know. I just don't think I could trust that really. Um, I think this is this fixture is a good example of that, and even Fulham um, over the weekend um, scoring against them. Okay, it was a pretty outrageous goal, but um, still, I don't think I can trust them until I see a good patch of form from from them. And um, it, you know, I just I just don't try, trust them not to revert to their earlier season form suddenly. Um, so I think I think I see this one. Um, as similar to Matt's Newcastle Cardiff, probably up slightly later on match of the day highlights and fancy wise, I'd probably be avoiding it to be honest. Um, yeah. Either of you guys jump in or we can have a look at Arsenal Chelsea with Matt. Yeah. They're unpredictable assets. Watford ones. I've been burnt by Pereira in the past. Um, you just, they, they, they score points over time, but the sort of players are going to leave in your team for ages and ages until they get a really big haul one week, but quite randomly. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Which is not particularly useful in fantasy football. You just want predictability is, is king. 
I think this game's got Sean Dyche written all over it. I think I think Burnley will up their game for this one. I'm playing Tarkovsky for this one because I, uh, I I think I think Burnley will win it, and I think uh, it's a or, or it'll be nil nil. But I, I, I think um, Burnley will be really up for this one. I think Tarkovsky should change for a Man U player, um, but but we'll see. And uh, you're nailing your your colours to the mast of Burnley. Yeah, I think uh, Tom Heaton's the man. He's reversed their fortunes. Uh, I think it looks when 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 Gary predicted Burnley to win the other week, and we all got it wrong. I think this has got this has got a similar feel about it. Speaking of Tom Heaton again, that kind of reminded me that um, in the in the Watford goal, um, Foster's been in, in fairly good kind of save racking up the save points recently, and and looking a bit more sharp than he had um, earlier in the season, maybe or towards the middle part of the season. So maybe battle of the the super save keepers. Mm. No, D- David De Gea's not in this game, Duncan. Did I say David De Gea? Oh, Dave no, say. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, says, it says a lot when you're looking at a game thinking, oh, the goalkeepers might have a really good game here. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to watch them in action. I am. I genuinely am. What do you reckon to the the big one, Arsenal-Chelsea? Yeah, so this is the big one of the weekend. Um, and so many players will have uh, Hazards and Obama Yangs and big big assets uh, in this one. And it's the one these sort of... Again, I, I don't know quite where they're going to go because um, Arsenal offer disappointing loss uh, to West Ham, but back at home, so you'd expect them to be fairly strong. Chelsea... Uh, not on great form, but seem to be the better side this season um, on balance. So uh, I think it's going to be quite a, quite a tight one. Um, at both sides really keen to win. Um, could be goals, uh, but I wouldn't be captaining uh, any players that uh, fantasy assets that I have that are playing in this one. I think um, in terms of how Arsenal are lining up at the moment. Klasnach on the left and um, Maitland-Niles on the right. Um, I know that Bellerin is pretty close to coming back and I'd expect him to probably start this game um, having not started the against West Ham and you know us losing it. Um, and maybe there's a, a shout that Monreal might feature maybe at left centre-back or left wing-back. But Arsenal have been see- conceding a lot of chances down their left flank where Klasnach has been playing. I think Maitland-Niles on the right is also a bit of a um, bit of a problem defensively. Even if Bellerin comes in, he'll only just be his first game back. Um, so I think with Pedro being in form and William um, being in form very recently with their two goals this week on the flanks for Chelsea, um, you know, with pace and trickery and the ability for goals, I think that's where I would see the advantage for Chelsea massively in this game. I think... It's really interesting, this one, because you've got the sort of hyper-organised Sarri ball that Chelsea play, which seems to be somewhat inhibiting them at the moment because one of the the parts of their t- of the machine is just not there in the centre-forward um, against the absolute chaos of Arsenal. And I'm, I'm wondering what kind of a game this is going to be. If it's, a, if, it, if it's a chaotic game, I think that's going to unnerve Chelsea and particularly down their left-hand side where uh, Marcus Alonso isn't the best defensively um, and David Luiz and Rudiger are prone to a bad game. You know, if it does get chaotic, then that could play into Arsenal's hands. So that should be, I think, Emery's tactic. 
Whereas for Chelsea, if they can make it a really organised game where everyone's staying in position and, and doing all their, their neat passing moves, then it could be a Chelsea sort of... Uh, um, they, they'll, they'll score a couple of goals and win it, but it'll be really, really interesting. Um, I'm not going to be captaining anybody for this game either, but I think there is a chance that somebody like Aubameyang could get a big haul here, although I wouldn't bank on it. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I think I definitely agree about it playing into Arsenal's hands if it, it is a crazy game. They've kind of thrived in those home games against big teams. Liverpool, it was kind of end-to-end. Um, Tottenham, um, you know, goals flying in all over the place and it was a bit of bit of a crazy game. And they do have the ability to really raise their game for the big teams at home. Um, so that's definitely a factor. And maybe coming off the back of a loss, they're going to want to bounce back um, so I think they'll be up for this, but I do think that the advantage is with Chelsea and the attack against a, a defence that's a bit all at sea at the moment, especially on the flanks. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, the idea of, uh, of Eden Hazard running at Kolasinac or um, Mustafi, like that's enough to give people like you nightmares, right? Now. I mean, you can name any of our defenders and say <laughs> has. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I think I see it probably. Uh, a result for Chelsea there, or or maybe a score draw. Um, okay, next up we've got Man City away against Huddersfield for Andy. Well, I mean, if this wasn't away, it would be one of the uh, the most one sided fixtures of the of the fixture list, wouldn't it? Like uh, Man City against Huddersfield. Huddersfield, I think, are the worst team in the league. Man City are one of the two best teams in the league. Um, they're extremely good going forward. The only risk really with Man City is Pep often pulls a uh, a selection surprise. So uh, for people with Man City players, you you, know, you, can, you can try captaining Sterling or Sané and then it, end up with them coming on for the last two minutes and doing nothing. That's the only real risk for Man City assets in this game. So I can't see Huddersfield scoring. I can't see them keeping a clean sheet. Man City could run riot here. And especially since... One of the things that's happened recently is that where Man City previously had goal difference-wise about a, a six or seven goal difference advantage over Liverpool, Liverpool have caught that up now. And so uh, I think Pep will be keen to sort of show that his team are superior by not taking his foot off the gas in, in fixtures like this one. So could be a cricket score this one, I think. And uh, when it comes around to, around to whipping boys, this is definitely who I'm going for. Um, I currently don't have any Man City assets, but this game is enough to make me think twice about that and maybe blow all the money I have in the bank on um, on Stanley or Sterling. I need to see them play for the last five minutes, like I said. Um, but yeah, I think this is definitely one for, for City assets. Um, and uh, for those fools who have Huddersfield assets, get them get get them on your bench. I I kind of see this completely the same as you, but I was looking back to the result from last season, um, same fixture and. I think I expected uh, the same thing. I expected a big win for City, but it actually was a narrow 2-1 win and Huddersfield were a a man down as well just at the end of the game. But um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't see a repeat of last uh, season. I see City wanting to capitalise and really going for the juggler. And I, I think Huddersfield last season had more positivity around the team and they were a bit more of an unknown. I think they're a known quantity now and I think there's a negative atmosphere around them. Um, I mean, their fans are amazing, but I think just the team just doesn't have the quality um, going forward and I think that creates a problem keeping the ball as well, especially with Aaron Moy now having left as well. So, yeah, I think Whipping Boys is a great shout and, 
yeah, I think getting in on the Man City assets for this fixture is is a good one too. Um, the other thing is that I think that Huddersfield now are at a much lower ebb than they were earlier in the season in the re- in the return fixture. Um, their, their their shoulders seem to have slumped. Like they don't look like they've really got it in them to pull off a, a shock like they like they did last season. At the, at the start of the season, that hadn't really happened to them yet. And then, and then after so many consecutive losses, now they just look completely down and out to me. So. Um, I think they're worse now than they were then. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, right, who's up next? It's your good self, I think. I think. It's you, isn't it? <laughs> what fixture is it? Fulham Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, some minor technical issues at my end. Okay, so <laughs> Fulham Spurs. Um, yeah, Spurs just lost... Um, a really bad loss, I think, to Man United in terms of their momentum for the title challenge. Um, I think it's probably gone for them now. Um, and I think they looked quite dejected, quite seriously dejected at the end of that game. Um, they'll have lost Son as well. He'll be off to the Asian Cup. So I think that'll be a factor playing on their minds. Um, and I don't think Lamella is able to step into his shoes or Mora as well um, to the same kind of uh, form or ability at the moment. I think they would have to build up a bit of form. Um, that said, obviously, Fulham are terrible. Um, if Kane was fit and didn't have this um, problem at the end of the game, we have to keep an eye out for um, the injury news on that. But it didn't look good. Um, so he would have been a captain in consideration for me. It's a difficult one for me because because he, he dropped slightly deeper this season. Um playing sometimes a bit like a false nine, which is a weird thing to say about Harry Kane. Um, it's difficult in these easy fixtures for them to think about him as a, a, a good captain option that you can be um, safe to rely on. I always feel it's a bit of a risk. Um, I think I'm burned still from that Cardiff home fixture. Um, yeah, I kind of I don't see him as a player at the same level as last season, whereas I do see Salah, and I think Salah has... Uh, a home fixture, a better fixture to captain in this week. So, um, yeah, I think a, a shout out to Callum Chambers playing in midfield for Fulham and, and getting a, a nice shot in the last game. But I think otherwise, um, apart from that, I think Fulham assets fancy wise have gone. I think Mitrovic has gone. And I think Kamara, um, there was some talk I saw on Twitter. Um, I try and remember who um, was saying that. Um, They've heard reports that there's been a training round bust up and he's been um, told in no uncertain terms to to get out of the team. And he wasn't in the squad this game week. Um, let me see if I can just bring that up. So there's a tweet from FPL Cottage. Um, FYI, um, Kamara owners across FPL world, it's rumoured that he's been released, dropped, asked to leave following an altercation at the training ground on Thursday. We'll let you know if I hear any more. So have a look at at FPL Cottage um, for more updates on that, but that's not a that's not confirmed, but it is a worrying sign for Kamara owners. So, can if, only, if can only guess that penalty practice went really badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's probably a good shout. Um, okay, who's up next? Um, that's that it. is the end. That's it. That is the end. That is the end of fixtures preview. Um, so before I completely fall apart. Again, um, 
Whipping boys, me and Andy have both put our hat in for Huddersfield. What about you, Matt? Um, I think that's that's a good shout. So I'm not going to disagree with that. Okay. Um, that's the first unanimous one we've had for quite a while. So that's good. Um, get those Man City players in. So, um, but bearing in mind of, of the blanking game with 27, so not too many. Um, having a look back to our gut punts from last week, um, we've mentioned Ben did well with Nasri. Um, that was a great shout. He got an assist. Um, I was very lucky at the end of the Everton game. Lookman uh, got an assist for me as my gut punt, but he actually started the game. And I think that was really good um, shout for me as well. So I'm going <laughs> to big myself up. Um, uh, Andy, do you want to talk about Westwood? I mean, he played well, but didn't get very many points. If it weren't for those uh, those blasted five players ahead of him, he would have got some bonus points. And it was the puntiest punt, so I think you lose the least. I think there should be a scoring system where if you go extra punty, um, you don't lose as much. Um, Matt, I'm unlucky with Barnes. I think you called it first. I heard it from you first, but following that in the week, there were some stats from uh, Fancy Football Scout and the Scout cast and a few other places that are saying that Barnes was really up there with the shot count. He was kind of competing with Aubameyang and Rashford and things like that, 14 shots in the last four, something like that. So, good good shout, but it didn't come off. He's great on paper, not in reality. <laughs> what about this week, Andy? Have you got anyone in mind? For my gut punt? Yes. Um, I don't want to go for knockout because he's against Man United, so I'm going to have to think of something else to say. Um, I'll go to Matt while you're thinking. Matt, thank you. Um, so... I predicted that there could be goals in the Bournemouth-West um, Ham game. Um, it would be, you can't really do a gut punt on Ryan Fraser. And Wilson's not a good pick at the moment because he's having a sulk, but or always injured. Um, so I'm going to go for Josh King, maybe to uh, to start a second seat. You know, good FPL asset from the past. Maybe have a good um, second half of the season. Yeah, and he's... He could maybe make a claim to be their top man now. Wilson's slightly out of the picture. And he's kind of probably back to full fitness now following his injury. He's had a couple of, a few games to get back up to speed. So I think that's a good shout. Um, for me, I'm going to go for Matt Ritchie. Um, I mentioned that uh, I think Cardiff are a bit weak from set pieces. Newcastle um, have a lot of big lads at centre-back and Rondon up front. Um, and I think Matt Ritchie has, has looked good, good recently from set pieces. He's on penalties. Um, he's got two assists in his last three. Um, and I think they'll re- really be targeting this home fixture against Cardiff. I think this is a huge game for them. So um, Matt Ritchie is my man. Um, Andy, what about you? Um, I was going to say David Brooks, but I feel like, again, Matt has... Stolen a mod. Can I have David Brooks even though Matt's gone for a Bournemouth player? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would concur. All right. Oh dear. What am I going to do? <laughs> you can have a think. You can have a think. Um, Panic on a Huddersfield player. That's what I say you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matt. He's thinking, um, what do you say to, to clean sheets this week? Who's your first clean sheet? Um, I think Liverpool are the favourites to get a clean sheet. Against Palace, I think that's a really good shout. Um, next, I'm going to go for Man United. I've been banging the drum for a Man U defender, so I think that's a really good shout. And they've got Brighton at home and then Burnley at home, uh, two fixtures.
plum for those cheap defenders at Man United with Dave behind them. Um, Andy, what do you reckon? Um, Man City against Huddersfield. Yeah, <laughs> a really good shout. Um, okay, Matt, you're next up. Can I say Newcastle and Cardiff? I think, um, I think that's a plum fixture to be nil-nil at the moment. All right, I'll, I'll wipe that out as a fixture. That's that's a really good one, yeah. Um, let's have a look. I don't see clean sheets Arsenal-Chelsea particularly. Um, Fulham-Spurs is more tempting, but um, I think I see the likeliest clean sheet in the Watford-Burnley game. Um, so I'm going to go for... It's fairly 50-50 between these two. I'm going to go for... To do what I did, just go for both. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go for Watford. Okay, Andy, what do you reckon? I don't think there's anything else in there, is there? Uh, Spurs versus Fulham away. Potential there? There's potential, but then they they do have to play against Andre Scherler. The mighty Andre. That was what I thought as well. <laughs> what, about, what about Wolves v Leicester? Wolves, Leicester are looking particularly great up front, and Wolves are looking like a better team this season. I mean, yeah, that, that could be a clean sheet. It's a really hard, hard one to predict. That actually isn't it. Um, by the way, I thought of my gut punt, and it's from this game. Um, I think Raúl Jiménez is going to score in this game, and so I'm going to go less punty than I previously have. Um, I think he's either going to get a goal or an assist in the uh, in a one nil win, maybe. So yeah, why not Wolves? Okay, we're going to give you that. Um, I think you've gone the puntiest this season, so I think you've cashed in enough really punty ones to spend it on <laughs> someone less punty like him. And is so fair enough. Um, what about uh, captains and transfers, Matt? I'm going to come to you first. Um, so I've got two free transfers at the moment. Um, and the main spot I'm looking at to upgrade on is I've got Diego Rico in goal, who was good over Christmas. He got me some points, actually. Um, but I'm trying to sort of contemplating whether I go for like another four or five-ish goalkeeper so you just save some money um, and get a man who plays every week and maybe get some saves points, the occasional clean sheet, or to go up upgrade to someone like um, Alisson for, for Liverpool and double up in Liverpool defence. Um, that's what I'm thinking about at the moment. And then, like Andy's been saying, uh, I, I am eyeing Richarlison and I also have Felipe Anderson, who haven't, neither of whom have done anything for a little while now. Um, but I'm tempted at the moment, given their fixtures, to give them maybe one more week uh, just to see if they can, uh, either of them can get some form before I decide which one to sell. Yeah, I think Alison was someone I was looking at when I was thinking about keepers this week. Um, my only concern with him, I think great to double up on the Liverpool defence. My only concern with him um, is that, you know, he's not a bonus point magnet in that Liverpool goal, um, despite them keeping a lot of clean sheets. You're kind of paying top dollar for for one of their standard defenders when you can pick up a Lovren or an Alexander-Arnold for so much cheaper um, with the potential for more attacking returns as well and bonus points. So, that's the only reason that I would urge caution with that. And also because I'm scared that you'll do it and that it will work. <laughs> I think that's something to consider. I think, you know, with cheap options in that defence, while they're still cheap, I think maybe there's other ways to, to get them in your team. Yeah, but... I'm just looking at the transfers at the moment. Etheridge is, uh, is, is on his heels for the entire season. It's much cheaper. 
Um, because when he gets a clean sheet, he usually gets massive bonus points and he gets loads of saves. So he's one of those sort of all or nothing type picks. So maybe I'll, I could, I'm tempted by him too. But Or what about Dave Saves? I mean, 12 points this week. He's just so expensive, is the problem. Um, cheaper than, he had cheaper than Alisson, though, isn't he? He's What's that, sorry? Point two, he's point two cheaper than Alisson. Oh, he is, but um, Manu's defence is nowhere near as good as Liverpool's. Uh, even if they did get a clean sheet today, that was only because uh, I think Liverpool players shot close to good old Dave. I think your, your shout of um, Etheridge is a really interesting one because their fixtures are good from now until game week 31. But then if you're thinking about the strategy we're talking about before, um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's less of a problem because then you're into close to the wildcard time um, and you could get someone else out by then. But, you know, that's a massive stretch. I think the only thing with Efferidge is, um, I think the reason he's so high up there um, in the point scoring is the three penalty saves he's had, which are pretty huge for him. Um, points-wise, you know, a, a haul of 15 and 16 based on that. So, I mean, he's great from penalties and Cardiff might concede quite a few more. So maybe that's a risk worth taking. But um, yeah, I just thought that was worth mentioning. But yeah, nice one. What about captaincy? Um, it's on Salah at the moment. Yeah. And it sounds like it's staying there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't fancy Obama Yang. Uh, and... Pogba would be the other one to go for. Or maybe maybe Sane at Huddersfield. Um, but uh, I just think that uh, Salah's form at the moment, he's he's the safest pick and he's, he's definitely uh, paid off over the Christmas period and just last week as well. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, now you're in a, a really high position in the top 10K. Sometimes it's better to play at safe captain-wise and see who's got most of the votes and just go with that man if you've got them. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, try, try not to make a mistake sort of thing because you don't have to. Yeah. Okay, Andy, what about you for captains and transfers? So transfers, I'm obviously going to, I think I've over the course of this pod decided that it's one of my Everton midfielders that's going to get the chop. Um, and interestingly, with all my money in the bank, if I, whichever one I get rid of, I can replace with any midfielder in the game. Um, which means looking at next week's fixtures, it could be either Sané or Sterling that comes in. Um, could be Hazard against a, uh, a disorganised Arsenal defence. Um, obviously, he's a reliable point getter and is definitely going to play and has a lower risk of, uh, of losing out during the, the game weeks. Um, I don't know. What, do you guys have any, any advice on that? I definitely I want to say something. I think you've been suffering the season with the amount of money in your bank. I need to. I think you need to get that money on the pitch more often. So. <laughs> yes, I do. That was, really true. I was staggered when you just said that. <laughs> I've been eyeing up other seven million pound options, but I could afford Hazard or Sane. <laughs> just to clarify, it's four point five million in the bank for you at the moment, and you made two transfers this week. Yeah, I actually saved money. I already had three million in the bank, and I got rid of Alonso for Lovren and then Tarkovsky. So I actually made money out. Of Why didn't you go for Van Dijk or someone? <laughs> because I like. I don't think Van Dyke is good value. I think he's um, the, all of the Liverpool defenders. I think are pretty much equal value. Uh, maybe Roberts worth a bit more. Um, and so, and I, I kind of resented the idea of, of <laughs> spending all that extra money on Van Dyke from Lovren when I think they're the same thing. I'd never knew you were such a tight ass in this game. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not normally. I'm, 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 this is the first time I've ever had this problem. My issue is when, whenever I bring somebody in to spend the money, they just lose form or lose their place in the team or something. And so I end up just get rid, getting rid of them straight away. Or I want to like switch positions or something, like um, bring in a striker for a midfielder. I don't know. I end up somehow like undermining my decision every time I spend the money. Um, so it's it's slightly up in the air, but you're thinking about putting the money on the pitch and Man City or Hazard, you're thinking? Yes. Um, that's what all... I, I could have Mane. I could do all kinds of things with this money, but I'm th- that's what I'm thinking at the moment here is like, it's one of those three. And following the... Doing a Duncan last week with... Uh, Bring in um, Lovren and then having to get rid of him with the early injury. I'm guessing you're gonna you're gonna wait until Friday or Saturday. Um, well, it'll be Friday because um, the game starts at four thirty in the morning my time on Saturday. So yeah, I'll make the change on Friday. Okay, nice one. And captaincy? Well, it's it's on Pogba at the moment, but I think I'm probably going to switch to Salah if I don't. Depending on who, who I bring in, if I bring in a Man City player, then I'll. Um, if I bring in Hazard, then probably I'll end up with Salah as captain. You're in a bit of not a tricky position, but you're you're basically a hundred thousand in the world, which is not a bad position to be in at this point of the season. You can definitely build on that. So it's it's tricky. You're kind of in between. I want to catch people up, but I don't want to take a risk. Yeah, I am, and this is this is why I've ended up as well with so much money in the bank because I've always seen the places that I can maybe steal a march on everybody is around the sort of seven eight million midfielder mark so i keep sort of and I, to be to be honest as well i haven't sort of lost a lot of points by doing that in the midfield it's in the defense where i've lost all my all my points um so the the, the thing that i've been trying to do has worked but it's involved me always using my transfers and not being able to spend the money elsewhere because i've already used all my transfers fair enough um for me this week um I've got, um, yeah, captaincy on Mo. Um, vice captaincy was on Kane, but I guess that might be a bit of an issue now. Um, Transfer-wise, I mentioned I wasn't going to do anything um, until right at the end of that game. I'm glad I was watching. Um, Harry Kane is the concern, and options-wise to replace him, um, I think there's obviously a Bamiang, but he... But I've... I don't think I've gone to him this season and I don't think I would be keen to. Um, I think Arsenal are still a, a side very much in transition and despite the fact that he scored a lot of goals, I I like players that I can predict a bit more and I think the only thing I can predict with him is that he is good against the lower lower teams in the league and Chelsea up next isn't one of those. Um, so I think... I'd be looking at other players. I think I'd be interested in Aguero if he plays well tomorrow against Wolves. Um, he starts and, and maybe comes off after a 4 0 lead at 60 minutes or you know something like that. Then I'd be kind of confident of him playing a bit more. And they've got two pretty good fixtures Huddersfield away and Newcastle away. Um, but it might be a, a kind of short term transfer um, just while I'm seeing what happens with the injury. So it's a tricky one. I mean, you'd think with such an expensive player like Kane, there'd be lots of options to replace him quite easily. Um, But I don't really particularly see them at the moment. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's just my first thoughts on it. I think Aguero is a bit of a nice option at the moment because he's not in a lot of the teams in the top 10k, so it might be a bit of an advantage. But um, yeah, and that might change with the Kane injury, so we'll have to see. Um, okay, if you don't follow us on Twitter already, we're at FPLFFanatics. Um, give us a follow, get in touch with us on there. It'd be great to hear from you guys. Um, apart from that, um, say goodbye, Andy. Uh, goodbye, everybody. And uh, I'm very much hoping that Anthony Knockhart does not come and bite us in the ass again. Say goodbye, Matt. Farewell, and spend that money, Andy. <laughs> you can't take it with you, Andy. Spend the money. <laughs>